Hey, good morning, church. My name is Peter, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are continuing our series on joy. And I, I want to start today by uh, sharing a tweet with you, uh, just from a guy, Jerry McBride, uh, that said, My little girl is two, and whenever she's happy, she will just shout out, happy. There's nothing purer in this world than when she's just sitting, playing with her toys, or eating toast, and just yells out, happy, to let the universe know it's doing a good job. We were created to rejoice. We were created to experience joy. And not just keep that joy to ourselves, but to share that joy with our creator. We're not just being joyful to an empty universe, but we know that there is a God who made us and loves us. And we return that joy that we feel to him. Have you ever been around some joyful kids or just watched your children from a distance when they're just playing and just being joyful? But we also, we know what happens. We, we grow up, we get older, we gain some responsibility. Uh, with that comes some stress and some pressure. And sometimes it can feel like those moments of joy just get farther and farther apart. And this is a real problem for us that are here as Christians and followers of Jesus because we are commanded to have joy. Now, if you're here and you are not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook because there's no command for you to have joy. But for us as Christians, it's a command. Uh, Paul, one of the great Christian leaders of the first century, uh, he wrote this uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And, and you know what? Paul isn't writing this from some uh, Caribbean island nation where he's just in a hammock enjoying a beautiful sunset. No, he's imprisoned in Rome as he's writing this. He's not sure if he is going to live or he is going to die. And yet he is telling us to always be full of joy in the Lord, to rejoice. Well, uh, the theologian R.C. Sproul, uh, he says this about what Paul wrote. He says, the Christian life is not to be marked by dourness or a miserable attitude. We all have bad days. But the basic characteristic of a Christian personality is joy. Christians should be the most joyous people in the world because we have so much to be joyous about. That is why Paul does not hesitate to command his readers to rejoice. So we are commanded to be full of joy, to rejoice. And we should be the most joyous people in the world. And we do have the most things to be joyous about. And yet, are we? Are we the most joyous people in the world? Not only that, the Bible tells us to be full of joy and to rejoice, but also that we are to share our joy. That joy is not just for us, but that we are to be so full of joy that we have joy to share. Now, it's almost Christmas, so let me give you an example uh, from the birth of Jesus. When Jesus was born, there were shepherds who were watching their flocks at night. 
And then angels appeared to them, and an angel said, Behold, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then these shepherds were told of a Savior who was being born. And they were able to go to Bethlehem and to see Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And they experienced such great joy. But the message was, there's good news that will bring great joy to all people. It wasn't just for the shepherds to experience and keep to themselves. But they experienced joy and then they shared this joy. They went and told everybody about this great joy that they had from seeing this little baby Jesus. So we are to be full of joy and we are to share joy. So how can we be people who have so much joy, we have joy to share? That's what I want us to look at today. And and to do that, I want us to go to Luke chapter 15. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to join me in Luke chapter 15. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter. Uh, And in it, it begins with some religious people that are coming to Jesus and they are pestering Jesus because there are all of these irreligious people, these sinners, these tax collectors who are coming around Jesus and eating with Jesus and they don't like it. And so in response to this, Jesus tells three stories. And he tells a story, first of all, about a shepherd. A shepherd who has 100 sheep until he's counting them up and he realizes he only has 99 sheep. He has lost a sheep somewhere during the day. And so he leaves his 99 sheep in the wilderness to go and to search for the one sheep. Then he tells a story about a woman who has 10 coins, and each coin is worth about a day's pay, except that when she counts them, she realizes she only has nine coins, and there's a coin missing somewhere in her house, and so she begins to tear apart her house and and sweep and search diligently in search for this coin. And then he tells a story about a father who has two lost sons. So each of these three stories begins with something lost, a lost sheep, a lost coin, two sons that are lost from their father. But each story ends in joy. And the thing that I want us to notice is it's not just joy, but joy that is shared. And so with the shepherd, when he searches and he finds the sheep that's missing, he is filled with joy. He gathers up that sheep, he throws it over his shoulders, And then he goes home and he calls his friends and his neighbors and he says, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep. And then the woman, she's searching and searching. She finds the coin. And she doesn't just keep it to herself and go, Oh, I'm so relieved. But instead she goes to her friends and her neighbors and she says, Hey, come and have a party with me. You know, in each case, they have to start by admitting, Hey, I lost a sheep. But don't worry, I found it, and now we're going to party. Hey, I lost a whole day's pay, but I searched for it, and I found it. Come and join me in my joy. Rejoice with me. As Christians, as people who are following Jesus, we are to be full of joy. We're to experience joy, and it's joy to share. You know what? Sometimes that's going to require us to be open about our losses, about when we're missing something. But then when we find it, we celebrate. We bring that joy that we experience and we share it with others. 
So joy is meant to be shared. Jesus kind of doubles down on this with his final story. It's the longest story that he tells, and we're going to look at it a little bit more closely. But he tells a story about a father who has two sons. The younger son comes to his father and essentially says, Hey, Dad, I'm kind of getting sick of waiting for you to get old and die, and so I would just like my inheritance now, please. And his father divides up the inheritance and gives the younger son his portion. And then, surprise, surprise, a couple days after getting all this cash, he leaves town, moves to a faraway land, and he begins to spend all of his money on wild living. He spends every last dollar until he has nothing left. But then there is a famine in the land where he is. And so uh, he is penniless. He can't feed himself. He has nothing. And so he ends up in a farmer's field, working for a farmer, feeding slop to pigs. And he's jealous of the slop that the pigs are eating. Until the Bible says that he comes to his senses. And he realizes, you know what, I could go home. And I could work for my father. You know what? I've blown it with my dad. There's no way I could be a son again. But the hired helpers around the estate, they eat better than this. And so I could at least go home and just be a hired worker. And so he gathers himself up and he makes the long trek home. And this is where I want us to pick it up. This is Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 20. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and now is found. So the party began. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. 
I want us to focus on one character in this story. I want us to focus on the older brother. Because Jesus tells three stories. And in each of the stories, they end with joy. Everybody in the story is rejoicing. You've got the shepherd and his friends and his family, and they're all excited about the the found sheep. You've got the woman with the coin and her friends and her family, her neighbors. They're all celebrating. They're all full of joy. They're all sharing in the joy. And then you've got everybody else in this story of the man with two sons except the older brother. They're all celebrating. They're all sharing in the joy except for this one guy. The older brother, he is in the right place. He has stayed by his father's side. He is a faithful, dutiful son. He's doing the right thing. He has been working hard in the fields all day. And yet, he has no joy. Why is that? This is what I want us to look at. I want to give you two reasons why the older brother has no joy. I want us to see, what can we learn from this older brother who can't enter into this party, can't experience this joy? Why is that? The first reason is because his loves are in the wrong order. We could say his priorities are in the wrong order. For us as Christians, if you're a Christian here, the secret to joy, to having lasting fulfilling joy is that we want to have J-O-Y joy. As a Christian, we need to bring our life into alignment with the truth and reality of the kingdom of God. And that means that we're to bring our life into alignment where Jesus is first. Jesus must be first in the life of a believer. It needs to be Jesus and then others second and yourself third. So for the Christian to experience joy, it needs to be J-O-Y, Jesus first and then others second and yourself third. Jesus shared that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. We must put Jesus first, our Lord, our God, in first place. We need to put the first things first so then the rest can come into their proper order. So for the believer, Jesus must be first. But then Jesus went on to say that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We must follow in the example of Jesus and humble ourselves and treat others before ourselves. So it's Jesus, others, yourself. And when our loves are in the right order, we will experience lasting, fulfilling joy. And when we look at this and we compare it to the older brother, we can see why he doesn't have any joy. His loves are in the wrong order. Now, if we were able to uh, interview this fictional character that Jesus is telling this story about, I'm sure that he would be convinced 
that he has his loves in the right order, and that the father in this story, who represents God our father, that he, of course, has put his father first. After all, he's the dutiful son. He stayed by his father's side. He's not everything he's doing for his father. And so, of course, his father must be first. But when we look at his words and his actions, we see it's not true. He's not putting the father first. In fact, his father is coming out of the party and begging him to come and share in his father's joy. And he won't do it. He's put himself first. He cares about himself more than he cares about his father or his brother. And so while he might think the father's first, truly, he's put himself first. I want us to think about the audience that Jesus is sharing this story to. He's talking to a group of religious people, people who are upset about all these sinners that are hanging around Jesus and eating with him, and they don't like it. Jesus is painting this picture of this older brother who's a lot like these religious people. He's telling these religious people that they have no joy. That if truly they were putting God first, then the things that bring God joy would bring them joy. In fact, as Jesus is telling these stories, the story of the shepherd who finds the sheep and the woman who finds the coin, they show joy that's shared, but that points to a greater joy, a joy in heaven for God and his angels. Whenever someone who's lost is found, whenever a sinner repents and turns to God, there is great joy that is shared in heaven. And anyone who would say that they put the father first, like the older son. Then what brings the father joy, he should have joy that the father has joy. At the very least, he should be able to celebrate his father's joy. And yet here he is standing on the outside, angry and upset, refusing to go with the father. He hasn't put the father first. He's put himself first. So we see his disordered loves. His loves are not in the right order. And for us as Christians, what we need to take away is that it needs to be Jesus and then others and then yourself. That's how we will experience joy. The second reason that the older brother has no joy, and certainly not joy to share, is that he doesn't understand his father's love. He doesn't understand how much his father loves him. Look at what the older brother says to his father. When he comes out to him, he says, all these years I've slaved for you. He shows he has no understanding of how his father's love works. He thinks that his father's love and delight in him come from all of the work that he's been doing. He's been working so hard. He's been slaving away. And surely this is the reason why the father loves me and delights in me. And so of course, when the younger brother comes in penniless, he hasn't been working. He hasn't been doing anything to add to the family. And so when he is accepted and loved and the robe and the ring and the sandals and the fatted calf and the big party, he can't accept it. 
Because he thinks his father's love is based on what he does for his family and for his father. He can't accept that he is just as loved as the younger son. He can't accept his father's love. I want us to think about what sparks joy for God. We see it in these stories. It's when a sinner turns and repents and turns to God that there is rejoicing in heaven. Do you know what else sparks joy for God? You do. God delights in his people. God delights in you. And for any of us here who are followers of Jesus, we need to accept and understand the great love that God has for us. I want to share some of these scriptures with you. This is Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41. God says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. That's what God is saying to you. God is never going to stop doing good for you. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never leave me. I will find joy doing good for them. God finds joy in doing good for you. He delights in doing good for you. And will faithfully and wholeheartedly replant them in this land. Let's go to Isaiah 62, verse 5. It says, Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. What's the most emotional moment in a wedding? It's when the groom is standing at the front, and the bride turns to walk down the aisle and the groom looks at his bride heading towards him. And then you see the groom get all emotional and kind of shaky need as he's standing there. That's the most emotional moment in the wedding. That's how God looks at you. Like that groom looking at his bride, walking towards him, so full of love, overwhelmed with emotion. But do we recognize and realize how God delights in you, because the older brother couldn't accept it. He couldn't get it, how much his father loved him. He just saw the younger brother getting all the stuff. He couldn't accept how much he was truly loved. Okay, let me share one more with you. One more. This is our last one. Let's go to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is singing joyful love songs to you. He loves you. This is what the older brother couldn't recognize. His loves were out of order and he didn't understand how much love his father had for him. And that's for 
the people of God. God delights in his people. But maybe you're here and you are far from God. You're not following God. Look at how the father delights in the younger son. That when he finally turns and comes back home, what does he do? He runs to his son. He runs to him. Did you know that in uh, the first century A.D., children ran, women could run, but patriarchs of Jewish families did not run. But here is a father who is so overwhelmed with love for his younger son that he has to hike up his robes in order to run and book it to his son because he loves him so much. If you feel far from God right now, that is how God loves you. Each one of us can know that we are loved. And this is where our joy comes from. Our joy comes from knowing a God who loves us this way, who delights in us this way. This is a joy that goes beyond our circumstances, beyond our situations. Pastor Todd was very uh, kind and, and generous to me. He gave me a lot of notice that I would be preaching today. And so I started preparing uh, this message on joy. Uh, but then the last two weeks especially have just been extra challenging in my family. Uh, I got sick. I had like laryngitis. And then I had like a sinus infection. And then uh, one of my kids had a sinus infection. And then the other kid got a sinus infection. And like everybody's on antibiotics. And we started uh, the message with the tweet about the joyful two-year-old. Have you ever been around a sick two-year-old? They are not joyful anymore. And so the sick two-year-old is with me, and I'm trying to work from home, and I'm trying to be in Zoom meetings, and I just found myself getting a little bit grumpy. And really, it was that my wife told me that I was grumpy. That's how I found out that I was grumpy. She let me know how grumpy I was. You know, my words started to get a little bit sharp. I got a little bit frustrated, a little bit upset, and then I would go to work on my message on joy. Joy enough to share. And so I was really wrestling with what does joy look like beyond my circumstances? I know that my circumstances aren't supposed to take away my joy, that there's a greater joy. But I see my circumstances and they are messing with my joy right now. What do we need to have joy? We need to put our loves in the right order. It's got to be Jesus first. I got to look at my life and say, am I just saying it's Jesus first? Or are my words and my actions and my attitudes backing that up? And then all of these little problems that I have, where I start to see myself as the older brother. What happens? I get angry. I withdraw. I throw a little pity party for myself. And what happens is that why for yourself, it starts to sneak up ahead of others. It starts to sneak up ahead of Jesus until it's all just about me and what's going on. And this isn't fair and it's not right. And I have no joy. But my joy comes from knowing Jesus. Knowing that he delights in me. Do I deserve it? No, I don't deserve it. But he delights in me. He delights in you. And so today, can we be those who put our loves in the right order? Jesus, and then others, and then yourself? Can we be those who recognize how much love 
this great love the Father has lavished on us that we would be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We're his children and he loves us. And then I've got one last thing. Here's my last point for you. And I want you to consider this as we go today. I want you to consider that all of us are sharing something. We're talking today about having joy enough to share. But we need to recognize we're all sharing something. Each of us is constantly broadcasting. It's in the way that we talk. It's in our actions, in our attitudes. It's in how we drive home from here today. It's how we interact with society and take part in community. We're broadcasting something. Is it joy? Are we sharing joy? Do we have joy enough to share? And can we be aware of what we're broadcasting, what we're putting out into the world? And can we be those who share this wonderful love that we have encountered, that we are experiencing? So I want to pray for us. Do you close your eyes? Jesus, we just thank you so much. God, that you are here with us. God, we thank you that you are the shepherd, God, who finds the wandering sheep. God, that even for ourselves, God, where we have wandered, where we have strayed, God, you have come and rescued us. God, we thank you that you're like the woman who diligently searches until you find us when we are lost and we don't even realize it. God, we thank you that you are like the father who runs to the younger son. God, when we don't deserve it, but when we turn to you, you love us so much, you accept us, you bless us so richly, you celebrate us, and we can share in your joy. And God, that when we are like the older brother, God, that you leave the party, you come to us to beg us to come and join you in your joy. God, may we be those who respond to you today. God, would you help us to bring our loves into proper order? Jesus, that you truly would be first in our life, that we would humble ourselves and follow the example of Jesus and put others before ourselves, and that we would put us in third. Jesus, help us to understand and accept how you delight in us not because of our works, not because of our toil, not because of all the things that we're trying to do, but that you love us and delight in us despite all of that. Jesus, we thank you. We pray that you would help us today to accept your love. And God, that we would be those who are so full of joy that comes from knowing you that we would broadcast and share that joy with others. That it would come across in the words we say, in our attitudes, in how we interact with society, that we would share this joy. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. As we come to the end of our time here, maybe you are here and you feel like that younger brother so far from God, so lost, nothing to offer. But maybe today there are some who would turn to the Father. When he sees you, he will run to you and embrace you and bless you with his riches and spiritual gifts, all this wonderful 
things we have that come to us because of what Jesus Christ has done. There's a Father who loves you today. So as we close, I want to encourage anybody who's feeling, you know, I just need to get close to the Father. I need to turn to Him today. This altar area is going to be open. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe today you realize you don't have any joy. You're like that older brother. There's a reason why you don't have joy. It's your loves are out of order. You can't really truly accept how much your Father loves you and delights in you. Would you consider coming up here? We'd love to pray with you today. And so the altar will be open at the end here. And thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you, and we will see you next Sunday.